Hello and welcome to The Premise. Hello, <laughs> Premise people. Hello, Premise listeners. So, Chad Put your I, hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. That's a, yeah, I don't, we won't know though no. if you are. So you could just not do it and say that you did. Yeah. We wouldn't know the difference. True. You know, Chad and I wanted to sit down and just kind of have a conversation about what's happening with COVID-19 and creativity. And it's been a pretty incredible journey from the time we started the premise to now. And I remember when we first started interviewing people, when all of this was starting to go down, I had this inclination to ignore it. I didn't want it to like cast a shadow on what we were doing. And I kind of think that's an interesting way of looking at it. Now that I look back, I sort of regret that. I wish we'd talked more about it. We t I wish we'd talked about what was coming. It's kind of interesting that I wanted to hide it. Well, I mean, it's tough because it, I, we kind of know the, uh, the sequence of events and the way we're going to lay these, these uh, episodes out, but sometimes it doesn't always fall into place like that. So That's true. It could be a couple weeks yeah. before they actually air. Yeah, because we're not a, a current events podcast by any stretch. Right. Yeah, maybe that's why. But... Now I feel like when we talk about it with our guests, it, you know, I don't know, it kind of brings people closer together. Well, it's a, uh, it's a thing that people literally worldwide are living through. Right. It's like, it, it's going to be the most common touchstone that we're going to have for years to come. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, it's weird. Like if you hear someone doing a podcast now, or I see content that ignores it, it just feels kind of icky. It feels like, wait, what? I, I don't know. How can you ignore this? Yeah, again, it's it's that whole pipeline issue. Mm. It's like I I don't feel icky about it. I'm just like, oh well, that was it obviously created wrong. before. Okay. See, I'm the so more touchy feely. You're so more logical. The, you know, we're now in a new. <laughs> so there's BC and AD. Now we're in a. You know, we have a new BC, which is before COVID. And, oh my God. And AC, which is after COVID. <laughs> Yeah, but we're comes. in COVID, like we're right in the middle of it. You know, there's people protesting, there's people getting sick, there's people who can't get tests, there's people who can't get toilet paper. I mean, there's so much shit happening. Our world is like sideways. I feel like we're just kind of off kilter and it's like to ignore it to me just feels kind of, I don't know, maybe not icky, but it feels weird. Um, it's It's... The but then we is, need a break from it too, right? But it's so it's so easy for us because our job is literally based out of our home and you know, most of our clients are online. We have we've always done phone calls with them. It's not like any of that has changed. So and hell, we rarely leave the house as it is. So right. this is just a, a a logical extension of that. Right. Yeah. Like seriously, listeners, sometimes we don't put gas in our vehicle for a month. That's how often we drive right we literally do everything out of our house <laughs> which is kind of funny but you know i mean we have our office here we live fairly rurally we used to have be in a pretty walkable neighborhood now we plan ahead we have lots of groceries because we don't want to have to go to the grocery store all right. the time and a freezer mm -hmm. and little thing about me i'm just, I'm just gonna you're gonna you're i'm gonna, gonna go gonna there it, huh? yeah i'm gonna go there <laughs> <laughs> so when Chad and I got married, she's a bit of a prepper. I don't know if prepper. Yeah, I guess prepper. I'm, I'm when we first you come from a long storied history of preppers, right? Yeah, I grew up in pretty extreme poverty. And while we always had food, we didn't have a lot of food. And we did, certainly didn't have, 
I don't want to say tasty, but I ate a lot of cornbread and beans in my childhood. Which, by the way, I still am not a fan of cornbread and beans. I don't which care how is, good it is. Which is so sad because I, I love know, both. right? And my mom made a mean pot of beans, but we ate them all the time. So when I married Chad 21 years ago, like my my cupboards were filled with canned goods, and I would like face them out, and I I would buy. And for me, it was like, oh, this case of black beans is on sale. So I'm going to get a whole case of it. Whereas Chad's like, why would you want a whole case of black beans? Like, Because you never know. We might need it. <laughs> now, in, in my defense, so back then, we were living in like 800 square foot houses and didn't exactly have the storage space for black beans, an entire case. Well, because you would get the, the case true. of black beans, the case of pinto beans, and the case of garbanzo beans. Right, right. And tomatoes. We'd be up to our damn and, ears and beans. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything. Like, I would stock. I would always have extra. I'd always have back stock. If I didn't have a full item of, you know, shampoo or cleanser or toothpaste, I felt like we were in trouble. Like, we needed to get to the store and take care of this shortage Right. <laughs> we could run out of this in several months. But you kind of broke me of that. Like over the 21 years, you started doing most of the grocery shopping. And I, there were times, honestly, and I didn't really tell you this, but I would <laughs> open the cupboard and feel this sense of like dread or panic that we didn't have enough food if something happened. See, for me, it forces you to improvise. Well, in like, terms what of do we like, have left? what are we going to cook tonight? Yeah. We're going we're gonna to use this can of pinto beans and this, uh, this lemon. <laughs> And these, this asparagus from the garden, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Well, so before COVID hit, my mom truly is a prepper. She, she's always been a prepper. She grew up in an era where, you know, there were Cold War drills happening. She had a bomb shelter that she created underneath the, in a closet underneath the stairs in her family home when she was like six or seven. And she would literally steal batteries and water and canned goods from her mom's pantry and put them in her own shelter. <laughs> so if she ever had to shelter in place at seven, she would be prepared. So, yeah, I come from a long line of people preparing. And then, you know, living in northern Idaho and eastern Washington, really, really poor, we often would store what we had, you know, lots of rice, lots of beans, government peanut butter and cheese. And so, you know, it was just in my mindset to prepare. So when this started to happen, mom said to me, do you have enough food for three months? And I didn't. So I went out and I literally, I mean, I didn't go crazy with toilet paper, just so you know, listener. I was No, you just buy. It was reasonable. It was a the reasonable. The thing is, because we have an office and we had we normally have a lot in, of paper so we, products. Yeah. we have a lot of paper products and we buy at Costco. So it's like you buy one thing of toilet paper at Costco. And it lasts got, like three months. Well, yeah, now that it's the two of us. Well, honestly, now that it's the two of us, I think it's going to last six months, yeah. but... So, yeah, so like this whole leading up, you know, we're, we're recording the premise and we're talking to, and we're getting ready to do a festival, which I, we didn't know if it was going to happen and we did have to postpone. And now we're uncertain about what's going to happen in the future. Marnie and I are talking about doing an online, you know, kind of like a special online festival, maybe three weeks of really solid programming for the festival, the San Diego Writers Festival. Get those, give those Zoom servers a workout. Seriously, like Zoom has become an adjective. Right. Are you Zooming today? Are you Zooming? Yeah, it's like Zoom school. And yeah, what, what I think is so cool 
if, if anything can be cool about COVID. But what, what is happening as a byproduct of this situation where we're stuck at home is people are embracing technology in a way that I've never seen before. And what's cool about it is, you know, as a branding expert myself, I've been trying to get clients to use Zoom and to be more active on social media. And like, how do you engage in social media? Well, be authentic, just be yourself, have conversations. And people didn't really know how to do that because they never really used it in the way it was intended to be used. I mean, social, the whole right, they point. Were, they were treating it like it was a broadcast sort of thing. Like, hey, here's my book. That's right. Hey, here's me on whatever. Here's me doing this. It's That's me, right. me, me. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's so off-putting, you know, right. in, in social media. But now that they're starting to engage in an authentic way and actually have conversations with people and meet people and, and use it as a form of communication, as a social platform, which is really what it is. It's called social, right? So people are embracing the platform as it's supposed to be used. And I think we're going to come out the other end of this COVID with a better understanding of how to market indie books, indie anything, really. I mean, this is how, you know, as a branding expert, this is understanding how to use digital media strategies is so key to a personal brand for an author, for a musician, you know, for any creative who's looking for their audience. And this is paving the way in a pretty beautiful way, I think. What I also like about it is the kind of content, and I keep talking about this, but the content that's coming out is super authentic. It's raw. Right. So you've got musicians in their, in their homes mm -hmm. doing like little mini concerts, and it's, they're not hidden behind all the layers of auto-tune and right. all of the... It's not overly all, produced, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not all that... that studio bs yeah which to be fair sometimes some some of it's pretty damn amazing with the studio mm -hmm. you know all the all the work that goes into that but just seeing someone who's good at what they do do that one thing while maybe playing an instrument or whatever and singing well it's like you know when i go to see someone live i want the acapella right i want the acoustic experience i want the raw talent of that individual you don't get that on a studio album Right. You don't typically get that on social media. Everything's overly produced. Right. But now we're getting people, like you said, t tuning in from home, recording live, you know, on Facebook Live or Instagram Live. And we're, we're kind of getting back to that, that raw, beautiful, authentic experience. And, you know, this speaks to the idea of putting content out into the world that isn't perfect. Yeah, done is better than perfect. Right. And Which, you know, the YouTube generation totally gets. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's how they do things on that platform. Mm -hmm. You know, and now, now that maybe in the past several years, it's just starting to, everyone's upping their game and getting a higher production value. Sure. But for the most part, it's just, it's just, you know whatever we do. Mm -hmm. Here it is. Here it is. Let's be authentic about it. And so that audience that you know youtubers they expect that and i i think for a lot of our authors they're realizing that i'm not going to be judged i can put out my content and you know reach out to the world so there's a lot of forgiveness that's happening and expectations have been tempered you know i know so many people who are so afraid to put it out there if it isn't perfect and like you said done is better than perfect or done as the new perfect? No, just just better than. It's just better than. Just put <laughs> it out there, right? So 
we're starting to engage more authentically. We're more forgiving of content. I mean, I got to say, I am totally guilty of not wanting to put my content out there if I don't think it's perfect, which has been crippling for years. You know, I've been working yeah. on the same book, trying to get it perfected. It's never going to be good enough for me. So at what point do I put it out into the world? So my team and I have been working on putting little pieces of it out there and we're getting great feedback. I mean, just yesterday I did an unboxing of a tea, a box of tea that was sent from a client. I'm like that, you know, my hair is turning gray. I'm not dyeing my hair during COVID. And I was like, okay, I'm putting it out there. My hair is gray. I don't have makeup on. Like this is real. This is me. And I think becoming okay with that is how we engage with our audience in a more authentic way. To what end? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like... <laughs> I mean, is it, is it just human connection? Yeah. Because it can't all be about uh, capital, right? It can't all be about selling our wares or... Exactly. Yeah. Broadcasting, buy my book or take my class. How about like, this is me. Let's get to know each other. You know, yeah. this, is, this is a book I'm reading that I'm enjoying. And, you know, that's the whole point of social media is just being and sharing things that get you excited about life. Right. So yeah. on that note, what are you reading? Right now, I am reading a book called Inheritance by Danny Shapiro, which is similar to my memoirs in the fact that it has the ancestry DNA piece. And it's a great book. She's a great author. And she also has a podcast. I want to invite her on the premise, in fact. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Are you reading anything? Uh, I am reading Utopia for Realists. Wow, really? By Rutger <laughs> Bregman. Tell us more. Uh, you know, I, I don't know <clears throat> if you want it. it. Basically, so at this point in the book, it's uh, basically going over universal basic income mm. and how it can be done right and how it's been done right in the past and how it's been done wrong in the past and all the stats that go into uh, that. I love that. I'm reading, like, I'm reading a lot of fiction. I'm entertaining myself. And, like, you're learning how to take over the world. I don't want it. Is that, is that what? <laughs> no. <laughs> or at least how to make it, the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe. Well, but again, it's utopia. Speaking of taking over the world, <laughs> or at least making the world a better place, we decided to bring Marnie into this conversation, and it's pre-recorded, so I just want to speak a little bit about what you're about to hear. So Marnie Friedman is my co-founder in the at the San Diego Writers Festival. She's an amazing writing coach, and she's the author of several books. Her upcoming book, her forthcoming book, is called Writing to Heal in Uncertain Times, a writing practice to create calm, inspire mindfulness, and spark everyday magic. And we asked her to come on and kind of talk about what's happening with people in terms of that creativity and just kind of going with their feelings and their emotions and journaling those feelings and writing them down. And the healing that takes place naturally when we start to work through our emotions through journaling. So without further ado, let's, let's see what Marnie has to say. Roll that beautiful bean footage. We invited you here today because I know that you've been up to some kind of some awesome stuff. And I want to talk to our listeners about, well, writing to heal and 
your new book, which will be out this summer, is Writing to Heal in Uncertain Times, a writing practice to create calm, inspire mindfulness, and spark everyday magic. Yep, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Surely you must have something else to say about it. (laughs) So... (laughs) I'm sorry. It was been so long getting it ready. Now I'm like, I'm off. What are we doing? Yeah. Okay. Um. So yes, I do want to know how it came about the um experience of putting the book together. Yeah. So I mean, I I mean, I guess I want to talk about a couple different things. I want to hear about the book itself, but I know that you've broken it into three parts. And what I'm hoping we can do for our listeners who are stuck at home and maybe looking for some writing prompts and an an excuse to really like dive into their writing, but there's a lot of fear around it. There's a lot of uncertainty and writing can be stressful for me where I'm trying to get myself to just sit down and write And then I have all these like expectations I put on myself. So Mm -hmm. I was hoping that maybe you could share just a couple things like tell us about the book. Tell us about this, the three parts. So there's a journey, mindfulness, and then my favorite part, the magic piece. Yes, um, there's journey writing exercises, mindfulness writing exercises, and creative magic writing exercises. But the first thing I want to say, um, back up and say that this is not a practice that necessarily will be for anything professional. And I think that's sort of the difference in what I do in most other cases. I am a therapist, and so this is more like the therapy side. Um, So this is more for people to process, you know, hearing lots of um, uh, struggling going on, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, People feeling really stressed out, depressed, sleeping a lot, a lot Mm -hmm. of overeating, Mm-hmm. Um, some over-drinking. people feel <laughs> over drinking. I'm not, <laughs> over I'm not referring watching. to myself at all. Yeah. Yeah. Of course exactly. not me either. <laughs> yeah. I don't like Cheetos at all. Um, yeah. so <laughs> Doritos. I don't know what Have you're you talking about. Have discovered Cheetos? Cheetos are yes. so addictive. Anyway. Well, the jalapeno. Don't nobody the- out there. The jalapeno Cheetos, th- those are my favorite. I have never tried those. I have never mm. tried those. Oh, they are magical. So they are magical. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I will put them in my Instacart order. There you go. Um, so I was, you know, talking to a bunch of different clients and many people felt frozen and yeah. like they just couldn't write. And then they there, there was a variety of experiences. I have two clients that are first responders. Um, one of them is a, um, uh, a nurse and she does, um, she's someone who intubates actually. Um, she's out in Texas and just hearing the, the pain and the sadness in her voice. And it really became not so much about how can I keep writing you know, how can they keep writing their book, but how can they use the writing practice just to help them to find some calm, to find some uh, a space of sanity or some mm. comfort, mm-hmm. um, some hope. You know, right. that's sort of what the sessions, many of the sessions were turning to. So I really, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, why, um, why do you think writing is so powerful as a tool to like give you a sense of hope and make you feel like you have a little more control in what's happening? 
Well, um, James Pennebaker is a research uh, researcher, and since the 1980s, he did 300 studies uh, on what he calls expressive writing. The why it works, I'm not exactly sure. I could take a guess and say um, because we're not denying our feelings and we're letting them out, we're giving them a space. Mm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, there's a really old therapist exercise where you write a letter to someone and say everything you want to say and you don't have to mail it. Right, um, right. And and then and they found that that works. So what's that about? So I think what happens is in our everyday life, we hold in so much. We stuff our feelings. We don't allow ourselves to say, I'm terrified. I'm frustrated. I'm scared. I'm confused. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed. I'm angry. You know, mm-hmm. so much of the messages from society are you know, don't be this. Or if you are that, take a pill, eat something. So there's a lot of... Um, denial. Yeah. And what this practice is about is every reaction is absolutely perfect. It is what it is. It's whatever a reaction you're having um, is the right reaction. So Mm. that's one of the Mm. things that we talked about in the first class was one person was having a creative renaissance and is a total introvert doesn't want to see anybody else and has having this most amazing experience. Another person was so lonely and so isolated and that she just talking to us was starting to cry. And then someone else was um, feeling terrified for our loved ones that were in the hospital. And there was just this range, I would say eight different reactions and each one was feeling bad about their reaction. And by doing these prompts and these exercises, it just validated that their experience was their experience. So once it's out there, once it's out of their body, um, something starts to transform within the person. And again, I can't say that I completely understand it. I just know that it works because I've witnessed it work hundreds of times, maybe even thousands of times. Um, that you, it's It's almost as if... By not denying, by allowing it, by giving it the space, sometimes it evaporates. Sometimes mm. it doesn't. Sometimes it takes a while. But um, there's something about just not denying how you're feeling. It's kind of yeah. basic. Yeah. On a deeper level, it goes back it's to like permission, huh? psychology. It's permission yeah. to just feel what you feel. You know, I woke up this morning and I honestly, I, I was lying in bed and I was just feeling comfortable and I didn't have too much happening in my head, but I, I didn't want to get out of bed. And I was thinking about how am I going to start my day? And I was thinking about all of these expectations I have in myself. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, I think I'm depressed. And there was something yes, really most weird. Are. Yeah, I got up and I, I went to my desk and I said to Chad, I'm like, it's so weird. Like I realize I need to just admit that, yeah, I'm feeling depressed. You know, it's so hard Absolutely. for us to admit that, right? And after mm-hmm. that, I felt like my day went a little better. I was like, oh, okay, this is a thing. It's happening. It's like I acknowledged it. I called it out. For, I named it. And the rest of my mm-hmm. day got better. That's exactly what it is. So mm-hmm. the let, let me take you through the process a little bit. So okay. the first thing that I would do is take people through um, the practice uh, journey writing exercises. So what is, that means is see yourself as on a journey. 
Um, in other words, this experience is part of a journey. And if you, when you see yourself as being on a journey, that provides you with perspective because mm. then you know that every storm has a beginning, middle, and an end, meaning huh. this too shall pass. Right. And also, when you're, when you're going on journeys, it's normal to struggle in journeys. It's normal to find meaning in journeys. It's normal to find gifts in journeys. So Especially if you happen to be about... driving a Volkswagen. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those memorable exactly. trips in a Volkswagen. You hit roadblocks. Yeah. 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 So it, it just allows you to step back for a second and not um, start spinning in the panic. It's just like, oh, this too shall pass. And what am I here for? What am I going to learn? How am I going to grow? Um, it just gives you a little bit of perspective so that you don't feel like this is always the way things are going to be. Um, and that it makes you also kind of look for the gifts along the way. Mm. So do you have a specific writing practice that gets people into this, this practice yes. to, to launch? Okay. Can you share one of those? Yeah. Um, so we talk a little bit about the hero's journey. Um, mm. which is the, the, the myth, the monomyth that, um, you know, all stories kind of stemmed from this one story, people from all around different countries around the campfires, the oral tradition had, were telling this one story and it was really about, you know, a person in a village has a call to adventure. They go from the known world to the unknown world. In the unknown world, they're tested. They might meet a mentor or a helper. There are lots of challenges and temptations. At the middle of the journey, there's usually some sort of revelation and some um, a sort of deep soulful work and, and, and maybe a, a big transformation can occur from facing, some people call it facing the innermost cave or facing the dragon. And from there, there's a sort of a reckoning or an atonement um, where you kind of make peace with what's happening and what you learned about yourself on the journey. You return back to the village, but you're now a different person because of the adventure that you've gone on. And you now have these internal gifts or physical gifts um, to give to to your your world, your old world. And this can be um, you know, think of any journey that you've gone on, going from the known world to unknown world. Like if you went from here to India, you know, that would be known world to unknown world if you've never been there. But right now people are on an internal journey and like the known world was before COVID-19 and the unknown world is where we are right now. Mm. And mm -hmm. so if you see the, the, the pattern that you will actually go through this cycle. Um, and uh, the reason I know that people travel through this cycle um, is because I'm a memoir teacher. And yeah. so I just have heard thousands, you know, of these journeys and everyone's on one all the time, mm. different mm -hmm. spots in the journey. Mm. So that's the, that's the first thing we, that we do is we sort of um, help people to, um, see see themselves as on a journey so that they can have some perspective and just reframe the whole experience. Up until now, my life has been the most boring journey ever experienced. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? Has there's it, no, been, like, no dragon? 
<laughs> no, no, there's got to no be a dragon. dragon. I, yeah, Not one I'm, dragon. I know, I, I'm my I know, own dragon, man. I know what your dragon was. It was that 1995 Range Rover that we owned in the 90s. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was my dragon. I'm glad to have finally slain that thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> Marnie does... Although, to be fair, it did... It did kind of slay itself it did it died yeah it killed it itself the ghost. The dragon killed yeah. itself. it said i'm done <laughs> i'd rather die than be my vehicle killing dragon <laughs> <laughs> but boy did it torment yeah a good you know a good rig that you have to work on all the time is is you know i i owned an mgb in my early 20s and that was a wow. dragon for me for a while. Yeah. I owned, uh, mine was a Carmen Ghia. That oh, was, yeah. The windshield wipers broke. No, listen to this. The windshield <laughs> wipers broke. But at that time, I was too broke to fix them. And in a rainstorm, I used to take my squeegee out oh my while God. I was driving. No shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's a whole new level of actually a friend a of mine. Low. Yeah, oh, consequently, really, I've owned nothing but Japanese die. vehicles since. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Her her driver door wouldn't shut, so she would, like, hold it shut with her left hand and drive yeah. with her right. Oh, yeah. Luckily, it wasn't oh, a manual. That. And someone, she was at a stoplight, and someone said, excuse me, excuse me, ma'am, your your door is open. <laughs> I know! <laughs> Anyway, um, that, yeah. so, I hear that. so, so step one, you know, of the journey, is it more like a visual thing than it is like a writing prompt itself or you have actual writing prompts uh, to get them into the process? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Tons of writing prompts that sort of get you to see how can you see, like for Chad, what I would do with him is he kind of doesn't think he's been on a journey, but if I started to ask him questions, he would be like, oh, I guess I have. And he mm -hmm. would start to see, it's hard to see the character arcs in your life. If you've never looked at it that way, it gets kind of like, oh no, it hasn't really. It's just trippy how people start to realize, oh, I have. And one great way to just realize it is like, think of high school, um, where you were when you started and where you were when you ended up. That's an example of there's no way someone is the same person from the beginning of high school to the end because everything's so new and uh, so many changes happened. Um, that's that's the point, I suppose. One would hope. Some people right? I think actually are. <laughs> Well, I don't well, think, they, I think something changes in high school. Usually that I can point if to anything, that and you're get taller. almost everybody. Exactly. You have more facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> Your heart's been broken at least once or at least swelled, right? right? It has well, you, have gone hopefully through Hopefully you've swelling. gained some wisdom. There's some, some, you're wiser even if you've been hurt, right? They're wiser in some way. And, but that keeps happening. That cycle keeps happening. Um, but we don't recognize it. So part mm. of the process is getting people to, um, you know, when, <clears throat> when we map out someone's life as a memoir, they're forced to do that. And everyone always says, my life doesn't fit that mm. until it does. <laughs> so that's, that, <laughs> that's been my first, that was the lesson when I started teaching memoir, I wasn't trying to do writing to heal. I was just teaching memoir. Right. And but you realized you was healing. To. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I kept getting the feedback that I don't have no idea why, but this is making me uh, have perspective in my life, see the meaning in my life, feel better. Mm -hmm. was, it was just bizarre how 
how healing people were finding it. And that's when I started to do investigate into the research. Okay, why is this working? Um, So the second thing is um, working with mindfulness. So once you have perspective and you're able to say, okay, um, this too shall pass. There will be a beginning, middle, and end to this. I will find gifts. I will find meaning. Um, We try to see if there just what we talked about at the top of of the conversation where you said I woke up and I feel depressed and our usual usual mode of being is what you know you might have a voice that says what right do I have to be depressed I don't I'm not sick I Mm -hmm. you know I'm okay I'm this so we we beat ourselves into not feeling what we're feeling Mm -hmm. and then what happens is the pain the anxiety the confusion that all still stays stuck in your body um, and ends up turning into either rage or sleeping all day or overeating and all that stuff. Hmm. So or the mindfulness even. part. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so the mindfulness exercises are about um, allowing everything you're feeling to be exactly what it is. There's no... You, you know, the like, you can write crap, you get to write whatever is on your mind without <laughs> no one's going to read it, no one's going right. to grade it, no one's going right. to edit it. It's just about allowing it. Hmm. Um, so we do some mindfulness exercises, and people find that really freeing, because they, most of the time, they might go to their husband and wife and say, you know, I feel really anxious. And it, they're not really getting that place, that safe place to just have it be what it is. Maybe their husband or wife gets nervous, doesn't want them to feel that way and tries to fix it. Um, Sometimes that happens. But so the step two is all about that first thing we're talking, which is just allowing whatever response you're having to be. And also to sort of witness um, how things are happening to you through the day. So for example, you wake up in the morning and just write, you know, did you have any dreams that were troubling? Was there anything that you want to clear out in the morning? Um, ask yourself before you turn on the news, uh, what kind of day do I want to have? If you do turn on the news, um, ask yourself, what's your response? What's your mm. response to this person's response? What's your response to this person's response? You know, and just sort of do like an internal um, writing, a writing session that, that allows you to know, oh, this is, this is what's happening to me when I'm watching the news. Right. And I'm not saying not to watch it, but some people are watching the same information eight hours or many hours during the day. The next thing that you do is you um, think about when you feed yourself other things like um, a mo- funny movie or a good book or some uh, nurturing phone call, um, then you do a writing session based on how did that make you feel. So hmm. you're kind of witnessing yourself through writing throughout the day. And then at the end of the evening, you process your thoughts, same thing. How do I, how am I feeling? Is there anything that I, if I could write down what I really feel unedited right now and how I felt about everything I learned today, this is what I would write. Hmm. And you just go. Hmm. And then that yeah. helps people sleep better. Interesting, because you're getting it all out, of course, right? It's, uh, it's, no, it's no longer trapped inside your brain. Plus, you process when you write. 
Yes, there's like this feedback loop that happens where you're realizing, oh, that's what I'm thinking. I didn't even realize I was thinking that and feeling that. And now right. that I think that I, and now that I'm aware, do I really want to stick with that? Hmm. Um, I was working with mm -hmm. one writer who said, you know, the world is evil. Everything mm. is evil. And <laughs> she that and she had to just stay with that for a minute and just be there. And then after like an hour, she was like, it it wasn't a something that she was gonna stay with forever. It was just something that needed to come out that she was having these thoughts about. Right. So um sometimes we you know, therapists call it the shadow side or the part that we all try to deny because we get feel shame that we have bad, angry, mean thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And this process is, you know, about it's okay. That's part of the human experience. Right. Yeah. And That's then do you want to hear the last one? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So now this brings us into the creating magic. Yeah. So um, I never like to leave somebody in a place you can absolutely stop at mindfulness. Absolutely. But just the part of my personality that always um, runs towards, um, creativity. Uh, I think yeah. I'm just sort of wired that way. So I started to bring people through creative magic writing exercises and that gave people permission. Once they've kind of gotten out stuff, they've gotten out the pain and the anger and the frustration. Once they've, um, found a little bit of calm within themselves, uh, in the middle of the storm, uh, there's something sacred that's there and that if you can tap into that, um, you can be creative. You can dream, connect to your dreams. You can connect to your, your goals in um, a deeper way than you might have not experienced before. That's been one of the interesting things I've noticed is people, because they've been allowed to be quiet for the first time in maybe years. Right. Um, yeah. When they do the, Right? Because we're also, we're running around so much. We have space. Yeah. Yes. For the first time, a lot of people <clears throat> have space. And part of that space is terrifying because then... Yeah, it's, you know, it can that be real scary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because you're kind of looking at, in the mirror and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> I got to deal with this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then on the, the other side of that is this sacred space where um, these the writing prompts get you to start to visualize what do I want to create and just they take you sort of one step at a time towards um, visualizing and feeling what it would feel like to have these things completed mm. and that has been the most fun for me to do with people because I've worked with people that were crying at the beginning of the session and even angry at me for um, even suggesting that they would be able to be creative and then hmm. by the end, the the wheels were turning and they were like, okay, I got to go. I got to go write something down. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's it. That's the, that's the so whole thing. It's, it's really cool. And when do you think that this will be ready for the world? In like eight years. No. No. <laughs> You're going to release it in like three, two months, uh, three months? Two months. Yeah, two months. I'm kind okay. of, yeah, I'm, I'm really, um, it feels like it's just pouring out because it feels like every, the, all the work I've been doing for years was stored up for this moment. 
I know that yeah. sounds kind of weird, but no, it, it totally like, makes oh, sense. That's why I learned all those things. I'd like to give our listeners three things that they can do right now to help kind of guide them into a daily writing practice of mindfulness. And, you know, this whole idea of writing to heal that I know you've been teaching for years, whether you know it or not, and I think you do know it, you know, people get so much healing out of it. So, and I didn't give you, I didn't prepare you for this. So hopefully off the top of your head, if you had to give people three writing prompts or three pieces of advice to get into a daily writing practice, what would it be? Um, I think one of them that has to do with the journey is, um, have I been called to adventure before in my life? And if mm. so, when? Okay. A little adjunct question to that is, what did I learn? So that kind mm. of gets you to start processing that you have been um, on it, you have been had a call to act call to action can be or call to adventure can be getting a new job getting married having a child um all the different ways in which your life you know took you from one place to another place okay. um and one mindfulness one that i really like is um in this time what's coming up for you what's at the forefront for you these days it's a really meaning emotion question Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is open ended. Just so the forefront what's coming of like, up for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, you know, an adjunct to that is just knowing that this is an emotional time, and are you allowing yourself to process your thoughts and feeling as they come up? Why mm-hmm. or why not? Um, and taking uh, this note is another of another one. I really. Oh, oh, I was just going to yes. say, and taking note of of whether or not you're being judgmental, because it's interesting when we feel ourselves judging, and you realize that, oh wow, I'm judging myself. Which is, I think, why it's kind of cool to have a um, a group because th- no one's judging anybody. Everyone's just allowing. There's a kind of an awesome thing that happens when you're working with a group of people who are just like, I feel this. Yeah, well, I feel that. And nobody, you know, it helps people to have witnesses. But I just want to give you the second one that I think is another cool one that's open-ended. If I could write down exactly how I feel without editing it or covering it up, I would write. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, then we're working on on sort of this concept of surrender, but not in surrender like white flag surrender, but in the sense of being at peace with what is. This is kind of, there's two parts to it. One is, um, what's my um, relationship to control? Mm. Uh, how has this experience impacted the way I see control? What's going on right now? And then the next one would be, how can I live in surrender or acceptance? Can I embrace what is right now without any judgment? Nice. Yeah, that's a good follow-up so those, too. Yeah, yeah, I know that's not exactly three crispy, clean ones. Maybe I'll can simmer it down. But that kind of, <laughs> you know, really short, <laughs> it takes you through the process in a, in a small way. Nice. Nice. Well, Marnie, thank you. I, I wanted to ask how you. you and your family are doing and how you guys are holding up Much in this better. time. And uh, <clears throat> It's been hard. My son has special needs and um, uh, I was about to say, oh, I'm fine. And then I'm like, I just spent the whole time, 20 minutes saying, don't deny your feelings. Um, <laughs> so it's been, it's been everything. <laughs> yeah. It's been everything. But uh, yeah, we have a special needs son. And so he's home 
we moved to homeschooling and then I got sick and had to be quarantined into the office. So I've been using this process on myself a lot. Um, And right now, thank goodness, um, everybody's healthy. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What about you guys? Yeah, you know, it's been interesting because I, I do, I feel bad. Like if I start feeling sorry for myself or I feel depressed, I feel like I really have no right to because everything is Mm. as it normally is. You know, we work from home, aside from our employees being at home as well. You know, it's quieter, I guess. We don't have any clients in the office. But Mm. for the most part, life is business as usual, but there's so much uncertainty and fear. And it's been really interesting navigating my feelings, acknowledging those feelings. And, you know, just sitting down to write has just felt hard. Yeah. I just spend more of the day in my pajamas. That's true. Absolutely. I'm still in my pajamas. pajamas. Truth be told, I've got Me too. Exactly. fabulous slippers. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought new pajamas. That was one of For my this? little splurge. Nice. For <laughs> life. <laughs> Life needs more pajamas. Yeah, that's a meme. (laughs) And then I also have to figure out how to cut everyone's hair because it's really getting out of control. That's another Mm, thing that's mm -hmm. happening. And I think I told you. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're just doing it. I don't have a choice. No more covering it up. Yeah. I mean, I've got little bits of silver coming out and I'm kind of digging it. Pretty. Yeah. Pretty. Luckily, I already cut Chad's hair. So his bad haircuts are just continuing as if nothing has changed. (laughs) Uh, yeah, well, no, we're having some scary looks over here on the boys side of things. So I'm gonna just pretend I know what I'm doing and and try to chop it off. We'll see what happens. Uh, YouTube helps out a little bit. I think both of them. Oh, that's I think a great the, idea. Yeah, YouTube has some really great how to cut hair I'm for men. So especially. look at that. But why why not just go long? Why not just go shaggy? They'd both look great with long hair. Uh, <laughs> ah, it's you it's not them i i would think ben would just look amazing with long hair i like this idea i don't know if i'm gonna touch ben's hair but carlos's hair i've i'll if i could show you there's it just it's just yeah it's doing all sorts of bizarre things so i don't know we're gonna try i can't i can't guarantee that i have that skill set but we'll see <laughs> a good pair of scissors helps let me tell you good pair of sharp yeah, scissors I, is essential and a good comb I, and a I bottle even of wine a cape. Yeah. <laughs> for him not oh, you oh that's scary <laughs> <laughs> well Marty, thank you so much for joining yeah. us and thank you um, for having me thanks for yeah. giving me the opportunity to talk about this stuff we're excited about your book yeah and, and what are you reading right now that you're excited about I'm reading Radical Acceptance. I'm reading Flow. Do you guys know that book, Flow? It talks all about flow state. No. Um, I'm reading Women, Food, and God. I'm reading like 14 books at the same time. Wow. Um, Spirit. I, I, because <laughs> That's because <insane>. when, I, <laughs> when, I, when, when I write a book, I read a lot of books. So I'm like trying to see what they're you know, what's their threads of wisdom and how it's, mm-hmm. uh, how it might impact what I'm saying. So, um, I'm not really reading fiction, but, um, I, I think I'm going to dive into, uh, oh gosh, there's that book about, um, death and other, oh God, you guys would love this book. Sorry. I can't remember it right now. Death and other inconveniences. Oh, okay. I don't. I haven't heard of it. Death, 
death and other minor inconveniences, I think is what it's called. And um, uh, she, I think she's going to be at the festival next year. Oh, awesome. Uh, awesome. Yeah. I'll, Very cool. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Well, stay safe, and we'll be uh, talking with you very soon. Awesome. Everybody out there, stay safe and just allow yourself to feel what you're feeling and know, mm. that, um, know that you're loved. Awesome. Thank you, Marnie. Thank you so much, guys. This has been another episode of The Premise. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to meeting you here next week. Until then, be safe, stay positive. And subscribe. Rate us. Wherever wherever you you get your podcasts. (laughs) You can follow us on Twitter. At PodPremise. And you can subscribe. We already said that. Yeah. All right, then. But do it. Do it. Subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. (laughs) Smash it wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. Bye.